So it's Psalm 4, page 485. Answer me when I call God, who vindicates me. You freed me from affliction. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. How long, exalted men, will my honour be insulted? How long will you love what is worthless and pursue a lie? Know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. On your bed, reflect in your heart and be still. Offer sacrifices in righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many are saying, who can show us anything good? Look on us with favour, Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than when they have when their grain and new wine abound. I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, Lord, make me live in safety. The second reading is from Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 19 to 25, which is on page 1105. Therefore, brothers, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, he has opened for us through the curtain that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our worship meetings, as some habitually do, but encouraging, encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning again, everyone. Um, if you are new here, um, we thank God that you're with us. Uh, my name is Tawanda. I'm one of the student ministers here. And um, yeah, I'll be sharing God's word together this morning. Uh, before we get into God's word, um, I will lead us in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that in these last days, Lord, you have spoken to us through your son, Jesus. Father, we thank you that you gave us your word, and this morning, Lord, as we turn to Psalm 4, Father, may you speak to us. May you challenge and rebuke us. May you encourage us, Father, in our walk with you. Amen. Um, yeah, so we have been looking at uh, prayer uh, this week and last week, uh, a short series um, looking at uh, prayer. As some of us may know, as a church this year, we are thinking about how we can grow uh, in this area of prayer uh, throughout the year. Uh, so yeah, it's a good opportunity for us to, yeah, to reflect uh, and to see what God is teaching us uh, as, we, uh, as we look at Psalm 4. As we think about prayer, 
there are many places we can turn to in the Bible, but um, the Psalms are one of the great places we can turn to uh, because there we see uh, God's people, uh, Israel, praying to God, and they pray from all sorts of um, uh, situations and life experiences. Uh, and some, some of the Psalms we are given more details about what's happening uh, in the life of the psalmist or whoever is praying, but some of them we don't get much details. And I think that's for a good reason because as we read the Psalms, uh, we can also join in with the psalmist and pray to God uh, given our different life uh, experiences. So today we are turning to Psalm 4, uh, which is on page uh, 485. So if you can keep your Bibles open to that, uh, that would be wonderful. But as we come to Psalm 4, um, you know, its relationship with, it comes after Psalm 3, obviously. But as you read Psalm 3 before uh, Psalm 4, you realize that it's a, it's a morning prayer and David is, uh, David is crying out to God, uh, facing enemies, and we are even told, uh, oh, okay. And we are even told in Psalm uh, 3 that uh, this is the time when Absalom, his son, was rising against him. But as we turn to Psalm 4, it's also a lament prayer. But this time around, we are not told exactly who the enemy is. Uh, we see David is talking about these people, you know, you exalted men, but we don't know exactly who they are. But there are some things we know about this situation uh, that David is in. We know that it's no longer just physical attack, but this is, uh, the enemy now this time is attacking his character. They are coming at him to attack his honor or his glory. Uh, I think he mentions that in, uh, in, in verse 2. How long, exalted man, will my honor be insulted? How long will you love what is worthless? I'm not sure how much we understand the importance of someone's honor uh, in this society. Um, but I think, yeah, you understand uh, in David's world uh, and also in the world that I come from, honor uh, someone standing in society is a big thing. And they are coming at that. They are attacking that. So David is at the end of his day uh, in Psalm 4. saying so evening prayer is reflecting and he is reflecting, thinking about all these things that have been said about him, all these people who are coming at him. And we are told a bit more about these people that uh, they are doing so because they themselves, they are loving what is worthless and they are pursuing a lie. So how does David pray when his character, when his honor is at stake? Some of us or many of us would have experienced this, uh, you know, would have had this experience of lying in bed, failing to sleep, playing over and over and over again the events of the day or the words that have been said about you. How do you handle such as children of God? As people of faith, how do we handle those moments? How do we even come before God when we are facing such moments? You see, in some cases, we actually fail to pray when such things happen. We become bitter. We become angry. At times, we make plans to get back at them or to, you know, take the matter in our own hands. Well, we see David here, he comes to God in prayer. He pleads with God. And what can we learn as we walk through with David, as we listen to David in his prayer room at the end of the day, at the end of a very stressful day? 
what can we learn from his prayer life? And how can that change my life and your life when it comes to prayer? Well, I think there are three things that I think stand out for me uh, as I was reading this psalm and thinking about it. One of that is David prays with confidence. David prays with confidence. Come with me to Psalm 4 uh, from verse 1 to 3. Answer me when I call, God who vindicates me. You freed me from affliction. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. How long has outward man will my honor be insulted? How long will you love what is worthless and pursue a lie? Know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. You see, in African traditional religion, um, they believe in a God that they call Musikavanu, or creator. They believe that this God is far off. He's powerful, but he's very distant from us. You can't communicate with that God directly. So what they do, if you want to communicate or pray to the African traditional God, they believe that you have to talk through ancestors. So there's a line or a chain of ancestors, starting with your immediate, maybe father, if he's late, you sort of appeal to him, and he passes on the message to his own father, and it goes on until it gets to your grand-grandfather, and then maybe to God. You can't address this God directly. But they also believe that as you do that, you can't be too sure whether that God has heard your prayer. So you submit your requests and hope for the best. I think at times as Christians, we still have come to God of the Bible like that. I know you may be saying, look, Tawanda, that's an African example. How does that connect with us here in Sydney? You see, over the past three weeks, I've been doing some work with some uh, Australian friends. And um, uh, one of the things that I've realized, I was talking to my boss. Uh, we're talking about Jesus. Uh, and yeah, he is a man who grew up in a Christian home, but walked away from everything to do with God um, you know, in his teens. And now he's running this company where I was doing some part-time work. And he told me, look, I don't really say that God doesn't exist, but I'm not too sure whether we can be so confident about God the way you're saying it. I'm not sure if we can be so confident that, you know, God exists or he can hear us when we pray like you're saying it. Or maybe if God is there, he said, maybe he's not really interested in our affairs like you're saying. He's distant, he's far off if he's a, he's a, he exists. This is a man who grew up going to a Sydney Anglican church with his parents who are committed Christians, but now he doubts even if God hears prayers, if God, you know, is concerned about daily experiences. Why is that important? You see, many of us, after a day at school, after a day at work, after a day at the gym, after a day maybe with other moms at the local moms group, we come back home, and as we lie down to sleep, I think David's experience can be our own experience as well. Because we spend our day with people who are loving what is worthless. People who are following lies day by day. They are reading magazines and they are watching movies and they are trying to live their lives in light of that. And as we reflect on our experience of the day with those people, how do we talk to our God? Because at times 
we begin to even question our own faith. We even think, you know, did I really, you know, does God really hear us when we pray? But as we hear David's prayer, I think there's an encouragement for us to pray with confidence. But the question is, how does David, what gives David confidence in his prayers after facing such opposition? Well, one of the things is that David understands who God is. Hear what he says in verse 1. Answer me when I call, God who vindicates me. David calls God, God who vindicates me. He knows who God is. So even though he has heard all these things against him, he knows that God is upright. God is consistent. God's judgments are true. They are not like those of his fellow people that he spent the day with who were coming at him, attacking him, and accusing him. He's saying, God, the one who vindicates me, is the one that he's calling to. And friends, God's vindication is more important than what men may think or say about us. See, God is not only the judge who vindicates us, he's also the God who gives us righteousness. If there is any righteousness in David, it has to come from God. Why is that so? Because he's pleading to him saying, be gracious to me. He's appealing to God's grace. Be gracious to me. If there's any right standing in him, it has to come from this God. So God, David's confidence comes from the fact that God is a righteous God. God is a God who gives his own righteousness even to those who come to seek it. But that is not only so. David also has confidence to come before God because he remembers what God has done before. You know, in verse 1, if you look closely, that he says, you freed me from affliction. You freed me from affliction. David is confident that God hears him when he prays because he looks back and he's seeing the times God has rescued him. Maybe it is those times when he was a shepherd out with the sheep and uh, the you know, wild animals will come and God will rescue him. Maybe he's thinking back the time when he fought Goliath, the giant, the Philistines, and God rescued him. And then now when he stands before God or he's lying down reflecting before God, he knows that this God hears me because he, had had me, he has had me before. He has rescued me before. I wonder when you look at your life as a Christian, are there moments back in your life where you look back and say, and you say, God rescued me then. I think he will rescue me now. Do you have such moments? As I was thinking about this, I was talking to Shupi, and one moment that came uh, to mind was the time when we were preparing to come over to Australia. Uh, we had been praying for an opportunity to go to Bible college uh, for some time. And when the uh, yeah, opportunity to come to more college came up, uh, yeah, we got ourselves ready and I had a scholarship that was gonna cover my tuition fees. But we didn't know a lot of things about how everything was gonna pan out in terms of living in Sydney. And as we should be resigned a job and I left what I was doing, coming over here, we trusted God to take care of us and would pray that, you know, God, you know what lies ahead of us. 
and you can understand the shock that we got when we got to Sydney and realize how life here can be quite expensive. But through that all, as we're praying, God answered those prayers, and it's two and a half years now, and we are still here studying. We haven't been flown back home. God has been faithful. Why is this helpful? So as we reach the end of our time here thinking about college, we are still here, by the way, but as we think about the future, praying towards going back home, we hear of how hard you know, the situation in our country is. And we hear people saying, oh, maybe you need to consider staying there and not coming here because things are just getting worse over here. And we look back and say, God did it before, and he can do it in the future. I know your story may be different, or you may say, look, uh, I'm struggling to find a story that I can sort of pinch my confidence on. If you are a child of God, can I say you've got a better story even than the one that I've shared? You've got a better story. You've got a better time of rescue. You can look back at and have confidence that whenever you pray, God hears you. Paul gives us that moment in Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 9. I'm going to read from here. For while we're still helpless, at the appointed moment, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps, someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us, in that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. Friends, just like David, you and I can stand in the midst of opposition, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of distress, and we can look back. The fact that while we're still sinners, God sent his son to come to die for us should give us confidence, should give us assurance that when we come to him, when we plead with him, he's going to hear us. So, friends, here's a place you can look back at. Just like David would look at, you know, points in his life. If you read a lot of his prayers, you see him talking about how God rescued his forefathers from Egypt, how God was faithful to the promises to Jacob. And we can also look back. God has been faithful by sending his son. And the Lord will hear us when we call to him. So friends, we have every reason to pray with confidence because of who God is and because of what God has done. But still, as we stay with David in his prayer room, at the end of the day, what else do we see? The second thing we see about David is that David prays with his heart. He prays with his, we don't only hear the words of his mouth, but we see the intentions of his heart in his prayers. Firstly, we see that David's heart, he's got a heart that trusts in the Lord. Come to verse 4 onwards, to the end. Be angry and do not sin. On your bed, reflect in your heart and be still. Offer sacrifices in righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many are saying, who can show us any, anything good? Look on us with favor, Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and new wine abound. I will both lie down and sleep in peace. 
for you alone, Lord, make me live in safety. You see, faced with accusations, with allegations, at his character, at his honor, at his standing as God's king, David cries out to God, but David shows us his own heart in doing so. You see, he has a heart that trusted in God. He was a king. He was a powerful man. If you read the stories of his life, he had many battles that he won. He could have taken this issue into his own hands. He could have gone to those people and showed them who he was. But instead, he goes to God and he pleads before God because his trust is in the Lord, not in his armies, not in his power, not in his throne, but his trust is in the Lord. So friends, our trust in God should lead us to pray to God, should lead us to make our first protocol be prayer when things happen. Is prayer your immediate response to situations? Or you try everything else and then, oh, maybe I should pray. Or we pray first. We commit the situation to God first. Even if you know you've got Medicare or you've got, I don't know what you trust on, but should we, do we pray first? David comes to God with his situation first. He doesn't call his armies first or his soldiers or anyone. He calls up to God. The God will rescue him. So his heart trusts the Lord. Secondly, we see about what we see about David's heart. His heart seeks the Lord. His heart seeks the Lord. Come to verse 6. Many are saying, who can show us anything good? Look on us with favor, Lord. See, David was also surrounded by other people who were watching the injustice, who were watching the, uh, the rejection of God, the rejection of God's king. And they are wondering, who can do anything good to us? Maybe these were Israelites, fellow Israelites with David. They remember the promises of God to Israel, that you live in the promised land with prosperity, enjoying the blessings of the land, the land that flows milk and honey. And there they are, and they are seeing what's happening to God's king. And they are wondering, where is the good going to come from? They want some relief. They want something better. They want something good. But I'm encouraged and amazed by God, by David's response to this. So in the same verse, these men who are saying these things, we hear David's words. And David prays to God as always. He says, look on us with favor, Lord. So while, he, while his friends are crying out for better times, are crying out for some form of relief, David is crying out for the Lord. His heart wants the Lord. He seeks the favor of the Lord. Look on us with favor, Lord. I think the NIV says, shine your light on us, Lord. Lift up the light of your face upon us, Lord. This tells us a lot about David's heart, friends. What he seeks in the midst of distress is for God to shine his light upon him. And that's why in the next verse, verse 7, we see that he actually finds joy that is 
unspeakable. So he says, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and new wine abound. Because his heart seeks the Lord, when he has the Lord, he finds joy that those people, even when everything is working out well for them, it can't compare to his joy when he has the Lord because that is the thing that he seeks the most. And that heart that seeks the Lord the most is a heart that we need to bring as we come to God in prayer. Because at times as we come to God, our heart not seeking him, maybe just seeking the things that God gives, it's a different thing to when we come to God with our hearts seeking God, seeking God to shine his face on us, seeking God to, 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 to touch us in a way. So as we pray, I pray that God will help us, that our hearts will seek him and also that we can trust in him. But lastly, as we finish up, I was thinking, how can we pray like David? How can we trust God like David? How can our hearts love the Lord and seek the Lord like David? I think if you are like me, you, you look at that and think, this man is an extraordinary person. How can I be like him? Well, in some sense, you're right. Because David was not an ordinary Israelite like you and me. He was God's king. David did not do anything for him to be king. He was chosen by God himself to be his king. God made promises to David about an everlasting kingdom. So if you and I were in Israel right now, you wouldn't be playing David right now. You'll be the common person on the street. Maybe the men in verse 6 who are saying, who can show us anything good, that could be you and me there. But praise be to God, because God has answered God's, David's prayer in, 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 Psalm, in, in, in verse 6, where he cries out, show your favor on us, shine your light on us. God has answered that prayer. He has shown favor on humankind. He has shown favor on us. And has done that through another king who was far much better than David. Who was far much better in his life, in his prayers, in his trust of God, far much better than David. And that is Jesus. The writer of Hebrews talking about Jesus says these things. During his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Friends, Jesus, during his life on earth, he prayed. He, he would spend time fasting and praying and calling out to God whom he knew would hear him because of his reverence. So Jesus is the king who does even better than David. And see, when we trust in Jesus, when you put our trust in Jesus, we can also come before God. And Jesus' righteousness and Jesus' worthiness to come before God and be heard becomes also ours, and God will hear us. That's why the writer of Hebrews encourages us to come before the throne of God with confidence. Why? Because we have a good and a better representative who will stand before God for us, who is, who is worthy to be heard by God. And because of him, 
we also can be heard by God when we come to him. Here again, the words of Hebrews, uh, the words of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 onwards. Therefore, brothers, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, he has opened for us through the curtain, that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Our hearts sprinkled clean from evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Friends, we can come before the throne of our great God because of what Jesus has done. So we can pray like David only because of Christ. That's why in our prayers, we usually end no, in Christ's name, in Jesus Christ's name. At times, because it's been a tradition, we say it without even thinking about what we are saying. But when we are saying that, friends, we are saying because of Christ, we can come to the throne of God with confidence, knowing he's going to hear us. As we finish, we are going to have a time of open prayer where we come before this God, where we can talk to this God about our concerns, about other people's concerns, thanking him for what he has done because he can hear us. I'm going to lead us in prayer now, and I'll leave us um, to a time of open prayer. Our most gracious God, we thank you for who you are. Father, you are the one who vindicates us. And Father, as we look back, just like David, we are grateful, Lord, for the way you have answered many prayers. But Lord, most of all, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. For it is only through him, Lord, that we can come into your presence with confidence. Those sinners as we are, because of Jesus, Lord, we can come to you knowing you hear us. Lord, we are grateful for that. Father, I commit each and every one of us here this morning. You know our petitions. You know the concerns of our hearts. You know the things that keep us awake at night. Father, may you bring relief to our troubled hearts. And Lord, we long for you. We long for the day when we we'll see you. Until then, Lord, we pray that may you keep us and teach us to wait and to trust in you. We pray all these things in the precious name of your son. Amen. So you can...